Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ishwarya, your host for this episode, and I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes and video calls with us and so much more. To help the podcast out and to avail these awesome benefits, go to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. We can't wait for all of you to join. The case that we have for you today is one that has given the public one unbelievable shock after another. This is the case of a seemingly beautiful couple happy together and very much in love and also recently married who flew to Cape Town, South Africa to celebrate their honeymoon. But the fate that was waiting for them in this foreign land was one that nobody saw coming. This is the story of a 28-year-old Swedish Indian woman and her 31-year-old British Indian partner. This is the story of Annie Hindocha and Shreyan Devani. So right off the bat this isn't exactly a case about Indian specifically both these people i i assume are either first generation indian swedish or first generation indian british respectively um so that's partly correct a 28 year old annie hindocha is an indian swede but her family actually lived in uganda before she was born in fact her grandfather left india in 1936 to move to a more freer country and at the time uganda afforded him that freedom which india just could not In Uganda Annie's father was born then an authoritarian leader rose up the ranks in Uganda and expelled most of the country's asian population forcing Annie's father to seek refuge in Sweden which is where Annie and her siblings were born I don't know what this is called maybe a um, second generation indian foreign I'm not <laughs> sure But Sweden had given the family a new beginning, a fresh chance at life while many back in Uganda would die at the hands of this authoritarian leader and on the other end of the world the partition of India and Pakistan would leave many dead. In Sweden Annie's father Vinod Hindocha would meet his bride to be, a British Indian woman named Neelam. Shreyan on the other hand, uh, like Annie's mother was born and raised in the UK where his family had moved from Kenya. We know around that these people are in a very important way very removed from India and not technically desi to many of our listeners but immigration to these foreign countries is a reality of the Indian subcontinent while Indian foreign nationals live lives very different to those of Indians back in India these foreign citizens constitute a very important part of what India is to the rest of the world that is why we've brought to you this story today straight from a different corner of the world and sometimes it feels that both of us are in us but the desi in us is still very much alive go. <laughs> yeah well tell us the story all right so it's 1982 in sweden and annie hindocha is born on the 21st of march in fact we're closing in on annie's 39th birthday 
According to Annie's father Vinod Hindocha in his book titled Annie A Father's Story, the day of Annie's birth was difficult for his wife Neelam because of 8 hours of labor, a dangerous amount of blood lost and several blood transfusions after which Neelam and Annie were allowed to go home a week after birth. But their tough experience make them love their daughter even more, their youngest and second daughter so much more. In fact, their first daughter, Ami, falls instantly in love with her baby sister. Annie quickly becomes the light of the family's life. A playful, happy, beautiful child, as her father describes, with dark brown eyes, whose strong personality, even as a little baby, stood out to everyone who met her. When Annie turns six, the couple has another child, their son, Anish. The two daughters, Ami and Annie, fall in love with their brother, who quickly, over the years, becomes their best friend. Ani, Ami and Anish's childhood would be beautiful and they would grow up with all the luxuries of the world in a very happy and wholesome family in a small Swedish town where people would come to respect the Hindochas for their hard work in the community and their family values with which they raise all their children. I think for any crime story, it is premature to do what I'm about to do. But this just appears to be such a wholesome family. It does. And to know these small things about them, her birth and how the family and where they've raised them, just this sort of a weird intimacy, yep. like a connection I have with the Hindochas all of a sudden. And I'm sure all of our listeners feel this too as we go along in this story. There's such a strong connection to this family because they're so happy just being with each other and living their lives. Finally, it's 2010 and Annie is now 28 years old. Her life is suddenly taking a turn for the better. She's moving to the UK and planning on living with her cousin Sneha, who's also one of her bestest friends in the world. Her parents knew that once she leaves Sweden, she's not coming back. But they were still incredibly happy for her in this new stage of her life. In fact, despite them hating the fact that their daughter was going so far away from them, they were kind of used to Annie staying away. For university about five years ago, Annie had gone to the University of Golf, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing right, uh, but there she studied electronic and innovation engineering, which was about five hours away from her parents. She studied there until in 2010, her mother Neelam was diagnosed with stomach cancer. At the time, Annie left everything in her life and came to her mother's side, helping the family deal with what was one of the most difficult periods in their life. Her father describes her as their pillar of strength and a child whose responsibility to her family really showed when the family went through what they did. Thanks to Annie's strength and the strength of her mother, Annie's mom actually survived cancer. But now, their support system was moving to London. But her parents found comfort in the fact that she'd be with Sneha. Actually, Sweden's not awfully far away from the UK and they would still take care of each other, they'd still talk. Um, and nothing would hopefully change in the equation, like all parents hope when their children move out. In London, Annie quickly finds a job, but then she loses that job. Then she finds another job, basically living a quintessential young person's life, figuring her way out in this new world. She makes her money, but then like any young adult in a gorgeous city, spends it relatively quickly. She makes friends, meets new people and makes her own road in life in this new city. Annie and Sneha only grow closer to each other. They've actually been very close uh, ever since Annie was born and they had been perhaps the closest to each other. Annie was closer to Sneha than even any of her siblings, her father says. 
uh one of the many people that annie actually ends up meeting in london is a man named shrian shrian divani shrian is a 30 year old indian brit who lives in bristol where his family also lives he was a very well educated man who had taken over his family's business called psp which ran a number of care homes across the uk actually the family had been congratulated by the queen for the kind of work that their care homes were doing across the uk The first introduction Annie's family has to Shrian is on Neelam's 58th birthday when Annie takes Shrian all the way to Sweden to meet her family. Admittedly this is a big step for any two people in a relationship. On that day Shrian made a strong impression on the family. He touched everyone's feet, everyone's feet, spoke with respect and was very handsome and good looking. He also came from a very good family. Sanskari. Sanskari. Yes, overall, very sanskari. Gujarati Sanskari boy. Parents were very happy. <laughs> After food was done, Annie actually goes up to her dad's ear and whispers, "Interview him," suggesting that the two men get to spend some time alone. And Annie's dad, in kind of in a quintessential father way, grill this boy that the daughter has brought home. Annie's father kind of knew some things about Shrian's past a little bit. He knew that Shrian had actually been previously engaged to another woman, but for some reason that engagement fell through. But he didn't find it necessary to bring that up. He made it very clear to Shrian that he didn't care about Shrian's past or his past mistakes and only cared about his future with his daughter. As long as he loved her, as long as he made her happy, as long as his daughter wanted to be with him, Shrian had his approval. But according to Annie's father, he found Shrian's reactions a little odd in that conversation. He felt as though Shrian wanted him to ask him about his past and as though he wanted to get something off his chest and justify it to Annie's father but Annie's dad at the time had absolutely no reason to suspect in his head it was also still a new relationship he didn't think anything big of the relationship either another odd thing that Annie's dad noticed was the entire night Annie tried to sit really close to him touch him talk to him lean into him but he seemed unresponsive Annie's mom noticed it too and actually called Annie out for clinging too much to him when he wasn't responding after which Annie stopped. At the time Annie's dad obviously brushed it off thinking the young man was just trying to be respectful to him since all this family was around uh, he was just trying to show respect by not you know engaging in this kind of PDA in front of the family and perhaps that's really what it, what it was and that's what really it seems know. like i mean just from a guy's perspective i yep. was in front of my girlfriend's family i would be so conscious yep. i i would Yeah, I'd I'd like social distancing at its best. <laughs> <laughs> right. So no reason to suspect at the yeah. time. Soon Annie's family actually figures out that Annie knew Shrian from back when she was in Sweden and only moved to London because he lived there. Now they knew they were clearly serious about each other. Annie met Shrian through a relative who knew him, who thought they would both make a very good couple. That is such a such a typical Desi matchmaking <laughs> situation. We all yes. have that one distant uncle or auntie that knows somebody they want to set us up with, and yeah, especially that, in foreign countries. And that's probably how our parents also met, like yes. some relative yep. knew somebody. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, good to see that <laughs> play know. out. Yeah. <laughs> Annie's family notices also that she really treats their daughter well. He sends her flowers to her office and to their house. He expresses his feelings towards her without any hesitation, takes her out on these lavish dates and completely dotes after her. It seems like Annie is living this very fairy tale life that she had always dreamed of and always told her cousins and her father of. According to Annie's father in his book, quote 
if i'm very honest i would be very sad if this is taken out of context but i was glad that he was a hindu like us and had been well educated what father doesn't want the best for his child by this time ami was happily married and had two children of her own with her husband henning we wanted the same happiness for ani end quote months passed to shrin's meeting with the family in sweden and annie's parents don't really hear a lot about shrian after this but they don't mind because in their head it's still a casual relationship it's still new and their daughter was independent it was casual in their head until one day annie's father gets a call from shrian's father asking them to come over to london to spend a few days with the family in bristol annie's parents knew this was a big deal especially in an indian culture to meet your daughter's boyfriend's parents in a completely different country altogether was a big deal but the couple agreed to do it their daughter was 28 after all they go all the way to bristol they have a fantastic time with shrian's parents but again notice that annie and shrian seem distant the entire trip again they brush it off maybe they're just showing respect but something happens as their trip in bristol comes to an end something that catches the entire hinducha family off guard shrian's parents hand to the hinducha family a silver dish or a thali stuffed with fruits nuts and a ganesh statue in the middle and as they hand this to the hinducha family they say congratulations what Wait, for any of our listeners who don't understand why this might be a big deal in sort of Hindu culture or traditional North Indian culture, it is very customary to present uh, the groom side with such a dish when they're engaged. As far as you've told us right now, they aren't engaged. They aren't engaged. Yes. Oh. In Annie's parents' head, turns out that they were. and Annie didn't herself realize how she landed herself in this position turns out she liked Shrian in fact she liked him quite a lot but didn't love him and didn't necessarily want to say yes to an engagement or marriage but when Shrian asked her she didn't know what to say and said yes so Shrian was the one that proposed Shrian was the one that proposed okay. that's correct The next couple of weeks are full of confusion and indecisiveness on Annie's part who didn't know what to say to the proposal of engagement. Should she just ask for more time? What would he think about her? Would he leave her over that? Or should she just say yes? She did truly like him and there was nothing really wrong about him or his family. But she had only known him for a year, but maybe a year is a lot. Who knows? Sometimes she tell her parents that she's ready to marry him but other times she would say she didn't really know him that well at all. Her parents supported her through this entire time understanding what it means to be engaged to someone but letting her know that they'll help her tell the divanis whatever she wanted to tell them whether she wants to get married or not. While Annie was deciding whether or not she wanted to do this at all the divanis were going through the first stage of preparations for the couple's marriage because to them Annie had said yes. Finally, on one early morning in May of 2010, Annie calls her father and tells him she's decided. She is marrying Shrian. And that was it. Everyone was excited. The announcements were made, cards were printed, and preparations started. 
in the middle of all of this aryan shrian flew annie on a private jet all the way to paris there he gifted her a karen millen dress and christian dior shoes to wear for dinner one night it was during that dinner that he proposed to her with a stunning 25000 pound ring that was served to her on a plate instead of her dessert Th- there is no connection you know there is such rich people <laughs> there is no there is no empathy Private there is no connection shoes. i know while she was in paris she spent uh, she sent one of her cousins the following message quote damn i really like him now i'm in love exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark so she wasn't in love before no she wasn't she was unsure she really liked him but didn't really put the term love so it to was a few equation. days after saying yes to the marriage did yes, she realize that she realized that someone she... and perhaps she realized it before but didn't really exclaim it in this manner before but okay tricky situation very tricky <laughs> yes continuing annie's message she said it is his personality he makes me so happy and i can't be without him so i'll give it a chance now end quote Both Annie and Shreyan wanted the wedding to be in Mumbai so the following few weeks were full of trips to India where the couple were having the time of their lives but also were incredibly busy planning their wedding The Hindutva family knew that the wedding was going to be expensive but they wanted to give Annie exactly what she wanted the absolute best Right on one side everything is going so well for them mm-hmm. but I do understand that she was apprehensive she was. to say yes she really was but notwithstanding that fact she still seems happy like she doesn't yep. seem desolate or nope. down the rank she still seems happy and she does seem happy until the wedding preparations start and Annie's dad starts to hear things about Shane and Annie from Annie's siblings and cousins Apparently Annie had told them that Shrian was controlling at times describing him as quote Hitler saying he was constantly trying to control her suffocate her and treat her as his possession he had apparently started to keep close tabs on her whereabouts constantly asking her where she was what she was doing and who she was hanging out with In fact, he even asked her to make a monthly spreadsheet of her spending so that he could monitor the amount of money that she was spending every day. She had apparently caused a he had apparently caused a fight over Annie not folding all of her clothes every night before she went to sleep, and he once even called her a quote tramp for carrying a plastic bag in London's Oxford Street because the brand name embossed on the bag uh, he didn't like. He felt a embarrassed. Tramp. Yes. He felt embarrassed by the brand of which a tramp she, is a prostitute if I'm not yes, wrong. Yes, that is correct. For carrying a not branded bag. That is right. Wow. Yes. Okay. Annie's dad was devastated on hearing all of this. In fact, when Shane actually went on that shopping trip for Annie's dress and Annie's ring and Annie's shoes, he took Annie's cousin Sneha to sort of help him pick all these things out for Annie and apparently when the two were shopping he joked about how he was going to turn an ugly duckling into a swan Sneha later claims that this was the only thing in her life that she hasn't told Annie on one occasion Annie actually asked her father if if she was ugly asking quote am i ugly aren't i good looking end quote now Shrian was apparently infertile and had been receiving hormone treatment for it 
which is the entire reason Annie asked her father this question to begin with. Later, however, Annie would tell Sneha that she believed that Shrian was lying about his fertility problem and saying it only to not sleep with her. But Annie's father let all of this out of his head, thinking it was all just pre-wedding nerves, thinking, all right, young couple, happens to the best of us, they're busy with the wedding, let them get married, spend time with each other, things will be fine. This is a crime podcast and if I could tell Annie's dad anything in retrospect, it would be, don't forget this. This, I can guarantee you, this is going to come haunting him later. Yep. As That's, it it's it's not normal to be, firstly, not tell your partner you're infertile, infertile. That's not normal. Secondly, if you're actually not infertile and you're unable to sleep with your to-be wife... That is not normal. It's not something you should... That's not pre-wedding nerves. Right. I think Annie's father would think the same about all of this now. Eventually, however, the big day arrived in October of 2010 with 350 guests attending. Everyone spoke of how beautiful Annie looked on all three days of the wedding in her gorgeous Ritu Kumar lehengas. But apparently, Shrian still found the time to tell her that her sari didn't look, quote, proper on one of those days. On one of the wedding days, Annie told Sneha that she had decided to put up an act for the rest of the wedding, considering it to be too late to cancel now. She told Sneha that she could always get a divorce later if things didn't work out. But the wedding was beautiful with every single detail, every single little process designed specifically by Annie. Everyone, including the wedding planners who served with Annie and had the time of working with her on this wedding, remained appalled by how beautiful she was and what a great human she was. Because of that, many of her wedding servers actually gave her discounts on their services. On the last day of the wedding, Sneha asked Annie if things were any better between the couple and Annie told her that they were just the same and the couple was still just acting. Throughout the Throughout the wedding, Annie's cousins put up awesome skits, they had special dance performances, they gave speeches, and by the end of the three days, everyone was left feeling happy, content, and hopeful for a beautiful new couple. But maybe not the couple themselves. Annie's parents met her and Shrin the day after the wedding to say goodbye to them before they left for their honeymoon. They hugged, they cried, they said goodbye. But little did Annie's parents know that this was the very last time they would ever see their daughter. The couple soon leaves for their honeymoon to South Africa, where they were going to spend a lot of their time at Kruger National Park, a huge and famous safari park. They were staying at a five-star hotel and CCTV cameras capture lots of footage of the couple going out, all dressed up, looking happy, talking, getting pictures clicked. To see these videos of the couple, go over to our Instagram or Twitter at Desi Crime. The weather in South Africa at this time was going to be great and the couple had lots of fun activities and dinner dates planned out for themselves. Annie's parents don't really hear from her while she's on her honeymoon, but they try to keep their distance, giving the couple some time to bond and time to have fun. But then, the 13th of November rolls around And Annie's mother, Neelam, just can't resist calling her daughter. She just feels something is off. She feels sad and there's this pit in her stomach she simply can't get rid of. 
Annie's parents called Shreyan that day at 7:30 p.m. South Africa time, but he wasn't with Annie at the time. He says he was in some street of South Africa getting some money exchanged, which Annie's father found a little off because usually hotels do these kind of things for you, and you don't have to go out of your way to a new city in a new town to get your money exchanged. But doesn't think much of it. Shreyan promises to call them when he's back with Annie, and an hour later, surely. the couple get a call from annie she tells them that south africa is lovely it's gorgeous telling them that they have to visit and she's saying all of this to her parents in gujarati and english and while she's talking in these two languages which she and understands she suddenly switches to talking in swedish which she and doesn't understand She tells her parents that she has a lot to catch them up with and that she'll tell them once she's back in England the following Tuesday. So it was Sunday now and she'd be back in on Tuesday. She sounded anxious to her parents and they asked if everything was okay and she could just tell them now. But she says she'll tell them once she's back in the next two days. Annie's father says in his book that he had known her for 28 years of her life and had never had a call like that. ever he knew when she sounded off and on that call to him she sounded off usually she took a lot of time asking about everyone on these calls being really happy chirpy but this call lasted only a few minutes the couple spent their entire night wondering why she switched to swedish what did she have to tell them why did she abruptly cut the call why did the call last only a few minutes The couple watched a movie that night but they say later in the book that they simply don't remember what movie because that's how worried they were for the call that they had just had with their daughter. I would just like to add here that Annie's dad has noticed so many small things. Right. Switching to Swedish from uh Gujarati yeah, is what you're talking in. Uh so switching to Swedish going outside outside the hotel to exchange the money him being impotent right and he's let those go and i understand how exclusively like single incidents you you could ignore them as you know right. pre-wedding nerves or a coincidence but it's these micro expressions and micro moments that come together to actually convey a very deep message a deep message like a serious threat and It just seems like the dad was cognizant in recognizing those moments, yeah, but not stitching them together into yep. a story. Right, and I feel like at the time you never really hmm. think the worst in your head that can happen to your child is that she'll want a divorce from this Hindsight guy. Hindsight right? is twenty twenty. I mean, exactly. that's the thing. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Exactly. I get that, but still, you know, I just so, feel like telling no, the dad that let's see together. something is see going something wrong. Is going on. Yeah. So the couple clearly noticed that something was wrong on that call and they stay up discussing the oddity of the phone call some more they watch the movie some more but slowly they fall asleep Just after midnight that night Annie's father's cell phone rings and he wakes up and so does his wife It's Shreyan's father on the other line He says quote Vinod Shreyan and Annie have been kidnapped They've released Shreyan but Annie is still with the kidnappers. They've taken Annie. End quote. Annie's father took some time to understand what was being said on the other side but then mustered the courage to ask what had happened. Apparently the couple were kidnapped in Cape Town 
but there was no news of Annie's whereabouts or who the kidnappers were. What do they want? Do they just want money? Annie's dad asked. Have they put a price on her? We'll go there and we'll pay whatever they ask for, says Annie's dad. Shrian's father says he doesn't know much but that he'll keep the couple informed and simply hangs up. Annie's mom, obviously hysterical at the news, couldn't stop crying and kept repeating the words, Annie is never coming back. The mom said that? Yes. Annie's dad had to console her the entire night, saying, Our daughter's not dead. We'll give those kidnappers, robbers, everything they want. They want a million dollars, we'll give it to them. They want two million dollars, we'll give it to them. Money is not a big deal. And in fact, if they're kidnappers, maybe all they want is money. They let our daughter go. We will get her back. And if they've let the husband go, I don't see yep. why they won't why let they won't Annie let go. An- exactly. That's what the father thinks. In his book, Annie's father describes those moments, saying, quote, I felt like collapsing. My legs were giving way and my head was spinning. But I knew there was work to be done to get Annie back and I needed to be strong. Annie needed my help. End quote. Annie's dad, that very instant, goes online to buy tickets to Cape Town when he gets a call from Shrian, who sounds breathless and is sobbing. And all he's saying is, Sorry, Dad, I couldn't take care of your daughter. Annie's father responds again, Why are you saying these words? She's not dead, is she? We'll pay them whatever they ask for and we'll get her back. End quote. Vinod quickly books his tickets to Amsterdam, where he would wait to, t- where he would wait to pick up Shrian's father and then from Amsterdam all the way to Cape Town for that very morning. So it was a connecting flight from England to Amsterdam right. and from Amsterdam to South Africa. Correct. He wanted to book a direct flight but realized that Shrian's father should be on this trip with him to give each other support and to bring their children back together. By 3am, he had his bags packed and was ready to leave for a flight at 6am. He didn't even say goodbye to anyone and chose to drive his car himself because he didn't trust anyone for wasting any time on the road. So midnight he gets the call, 3am he packs his bag, 6am he's booked the flight and he's out. He's off. He drove at maximum speed on Sweden's snow-covered streets, almost losing control of the car time and time again. But with his head constantly stuck to the thought of his beautiful daughter, the light of his life, who was now in danger, maybe hurting. Finally, after a grueling flight to Amsterdam, Annie's father lands at Amsterdam airport with a 90-minute wait time before his next flight where he's waiting for Shrian's father to come. Desperate for some news of Annie, he quickly finds a payphone and calls home. The phone rings and his brother on the other end picks up. From the background, he can hear loud wailing and just sounds of people crying. After what seems like a forever to Annie's dad, he, his brother says, quote, They shot Annie. They found her body. End quote. Annie's father starts to cry uncontrollably in the middle of this busy airport, saying, quote, That's not possible. It can't be possible. I'm on my way to get her. I'm bringing her home alive. But then he realized and began shouting, How can she be dead? It's not possible. I am going to get her. Cape Town police apparently found the car in which Annie and Shane were kidnapped. In the back seat of the car, they found Annie's dead body. 
she had been shot once in her neck and her bullet pierced her hand in his book annie's father says quote now i was bringing my daughter home in a coffin not holding her hand and hugging her like i had imagined part of me kept thinking the police might be wrong and annie was still alive but the other part of me the part that knew about the high crime rate in south africa slowly realized the truth end quote soon shrian's father appears at the airport and the two sit at the airport in front of the gate just crying people notice many try to console them the airline staff bring them water but nobody knows what has just happened the two men board their flight to cape town to bring annie back but not like they had ever thought on the flight shrian's father had a drink to fall asleep better and suggested that vinod do the same but he says he simply couldn't and his dad just sat there crying thinking of his daughter who was now no more that little baby he had once seen born was now no more he was going to land in south africa shortly still not knowing what was going to unfold there what was awaiting him was one of south africa's most infamous crimes one with a decade long trial questions that remained unanswered to date and suspects that nobody thought of to find out what happened in south africa what exactly went down on the day of the kidnapping and what has happened in the 11 years since annie's death tune in to part 2 of this episode i have goosebumps ashwarya i i have goosebumps and for all you listeners like you know i don't know the case she knows the case i'm just a listener like you i can't wait for the next episode <laughs> there'll be more in the next episode i can assure you also to buy vinod hindotra's book titled annie devani a father's story which is also our primary source of information for this case click on our amazon affiliate link in the episode's description receipts from the purchase of this book will go towards a charity in annie's name see you all in the next episode